are listening to another episode of the Coach's Circle Podcast, brought to you by LifeCoachPath.com. Our goal is to explore all the different ways you can craft your own career in the fields of coaching, wellness, and mental health. Each episode features guests who offer an authentic perspective on their own unique career path and explores ways you might begin to craft your own. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit www.lifecoachpath.com. And now, here's your host, Brandon Baker. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Coaches Circle podcast. Today's special guest is Shadi Adele. She is a licensed clinical social worker in the states of New York and California. She is also the clinical director at Centered Mind Therapy. So hi, Shadi. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm, I'm excited to learn all about your work and um, all about, you know, the, the, the clients that come and see you, the kind of challenges they're facing and how this whole thing ties in together with uh, coaches who might be listening to the show and who want to know how the coaching world relates to the therapy world. So, uh, yeah, first and foremost, I guess, yeah. just take us through some of your background and, and how you got here. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So, so yeah, so I um, went to um, graduate school and graduated in 2014 with my master of social work degree and um, knew I wanted to go the direct practice therapy route right away. <laughs> so <laughs> started that and, and did some work in the nonprofit world, uh, which was great. Um, had some challenges, of course, um, and then eventually wanted to open up my own practice um, which I was able to do with Centered Mind Therapy. So, um, so I'm the owner of the practice and obviously the, the director and clinical director. Um, so yeah, so I've kind of uh, dabbled in different um, <laughs> types of work and um, trainings and different types of therapy. So at this point, I've kind of created my, my specialty areas are around um, anxiety, uh, depression, um, eating disorders. And, and so I kind of just stay around those things. I've also additionally got training in some postpartum work and working with moms, especially during this difficult time of COVID. I think it's great to be able to offer that support to, you know, folks and especially moms who are feeling extra isolated. Um, so yeah. And I, and I, um, mostly use behavioral approaches to therapy. So I am a a DBT dialectical behavior therapy therapist. And, um, and I know that we'll talk, I'm sure about the ways that coaching can kind of fall into that type of therapy. Yep, I was just um, about to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then I also draw upon some cognitive behavioral methods too. So both of those types of therapy are evidence-based, which I personally feel very um, strongly about making sure I provide evidence-based types of approaches, um, for, for my clients. So, um, yeah, so that's the, you know, I guess really brief summary <laughs> on my work and I've, I've dabbled in coaching, obviously it comes along the way and it's something I've been interested in. Um, kind of, I mean, I think therapy is my first and, uh, first love and will always be there, but coaching is also fun and it's a different kind of lens. Um, that I can use with clients and a different type of work, which is, I think, in, in a lot of ways as um, as gratifying when you are able to see the progress clients make. So, um, but just in a different way, of course. I'm Absolutely. sure we can talk about that more. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you guessed right. I definitely wanted to touch upon <laughs> DBT because I do feel like to an outsider who maybe doesn't know too much about DBT at first read, it sounds very similar to coaching and the coaching methodology mm-hmm. with regard to mm-hmm. well, coaches term it as negative self-talk and, and how to, um, you know, how, how to tackle that and, and try to enact change with that lens. So can you just mm-hmm. talk about how you incorporate DBT in your practice and, and how coaches might do the same um, in their own? Yeah, absolutely. So I think at the end of the day, when I, when I talk to someone about DBT, an outsider who, or, you know, a potential client who has no idea what it is, I talk about it as a very skill-based skill building type of therapy. Um, and the approach is very focused on building skills and DBT is sort of, um, uh, categorized into four different modules. Um, one of them is called core mindfulness. So obviously mindfulness, I'm sure lots of life coaches too can, um, you know, use mindfulness and, you know, have some sort of mindfulness practice for themselves and also, um, kind of coach, um, coach clients on how to use mindfulness, um, and, you know, to kind of work towards their goals. So, um, yeah, so I do a lot of work with that. Um, and I do a lot of work with the stress tolerance. So helping clients, um, tolerate distress associated with things outside of their control. Um, then I tend to move into emotion regulation next, which is exactly what it sounds like, just helping clients better manage their emotional states and, um, and yeah, and kind of go and use some skills to kind of work through, tough emotions. And then last but not least is interpersonal effectiveness. So this is the idea that we can enhance and build positive relationships in our lives. And I think that one, especially for coaching could be something I know a lot of people seek out life coaches to help with the relationship side um, and helping develop romantic, platonic relationships, healthier relationships. So I think that one, especially that module of DBT can be useful for coaching. Yeah, totally. Um, And I I think one of the topics that I, I, I want to center this podcast around, because I think it's something a lot of coaches would have a natural interest in, is which domains really are fit for coaching with regards to, you know, the challenges that clients come to you with, with regards to relationships, for example, or, you know, transitions, I think are also another uh, huge domain that coaches that kind of falls right within their wheelhouse. But mm-hmm. then I, I wanted to give you the chance to kind of give your opinion on which which topics you feel are really more, you know, therapy focused and, and kind mm-hmm. of are not best served by coaching and, and just kind of drawing that line in the sand as to what you think the difference is between the two with regards mm-hmm. to, to that. Sure. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love to answer that for you. So, um, yeah, I, I was, maybe, maybe I can start with what I think, you know, cause I do at my practice, I do about, um, 30% of the consultations, um, that we set initially for, you know, basically people who aren't yet committed to being our clients and enrolling in our, in our practice, but are wanting to have that sort of 30 minute conversation to see how things feel. Um, and, and a lot of times these potential clients during these consultation calls that I have 
are curious about life coaching, but also know that we are a therapy practice and, um, and they just kind of want to know the difference. So I do explain it a lot of times in terms mm-hmm. of um, what, who would be best served with therapy um, and maybe coaching down the road if they are still interested in that. So um, I think anytime I do a consultation call with a potential client and they initially, when, when I ask, okay, what brings you to therapy? You know, what are you interested in working on? If, if we immediately go to a mental health issue, such as um, anxiety, severe anxiety, panic attacks, worry thoughts that are very excessive, interfering with life and functioning and your day-to-day experience. Um, If someone says, I'm feeling really low, I think I'm depressed, I'm having a hard time getting out of bed and doing the things that I normally enjoy, um, you know, definitely anything in those arenas. if some, you know, if there's trauma, if there's a severe, and it sounds like not only just a trauma history, but the trauma, you know, this potential client's sharing with me, okay, this thing that happened to me in the past is really getting in the way of my kind of day-to-day living now. And I'm, I just, I keep going back to that thing that happened. I, I can't seem to move through it. So any of those things, and along with any other really, you know, obviously any other mental health condition that we would um, characterize as a mental disorder, according to um, the DSM, the kind right. of the, the of Bible of mental <laughs> disorders, right? It is pretty much the um, Bible. That's right. Yeah. Um, so anything that kind of would char- be characterized and diagnostically looking, we would identify as a mental disorder. I would say if that's the primary area of distress, then I would uh, encourage this person to um, get therapy services first. Um and then on the other hand of things, when we talk about coaching and I, and what's great about my team is that I actually do have two live coaches on my team and we're, we're always growing that sort of, um, but I have two people who primarily do coaching, which is really cool. Um, so it's interesting because one of the gals on my team, her name is Ruby. She's a dating coach um, and trained as a therapist um, through graduate school, but never went on to get licensed to do work towards her full licensure as a therapist. So she just wanted to go the, the coaching route, which is so cool. Um, but she will send me people who uh, maybe were interested in doing life coaching or uh, dating um coaching on dating specifically with her, but she noticed, okay, there's something going on here. This isn't just a pure coaching client that I can work with. There's other things mental health-wise getting in the way of our work. So she'll sort of refer them to me to do a consultation for therapy um, with this individual and and see how we can serve them. Um, And then maybe potentially send this person back to our dating coach to continue the coaching work around dating um, if it seems appropriate. But um, yeah, so really it's a, a, a mental health issue is really on the, on the forefront for this person, I would say, let's go the therapy route. Let's, let's tackle those things. Let's kind of get things in a better place, stabilize symptoms. If we want to talk, you know, totally clinical. Um, <laughs> and then we can get into, okay, let's talk, you know, coaching with, with a coach, a life coach. Let's then do some work around strategies and just um, upping the wellness, I would say, because that wellness is already established. Let's just improve upon things um, with a coach. Right. And I think you're you're pointing to something really critical for whether you're going to be a therapist or a coach. It's that mm. very beginning phase of the, re- of the relationship between professional and potential client to have squared away right in the beginning, whether you feel that the client really needs to be in more of a therapy setting or mm-hmm. in more of a coaching setting. Cause what you don't want is for the coaching relationship to begin and then 
a real relationship is is formed where it's like one session, two sessions, four sessions. Oh. And only after like the fourth or fifth session, that's when you're like, wait a minute. Um, I think there's actually something more deep seated going on here. We need to bring the client back to just baseline. And that might require some therapy first. And that's a kind of a huge problem, isn't it? Because if, if you're already four or five sessions in and that's when you start to consider that possibility, then the client can feel um, abandoned possibly by, by, by the coach if, if the client's being referred away at that point. And I think you would agree that it would be ideal if that determination could be made pretty much right away, right? Mm -hmm. From the very mm -hmm. beginning. So, so I'm, yeah. I'm guessing that you, you take, you put priority on, on trying to make that determination early on. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think assessment is is so huge, um, definitely as therapists, but also as a coach. I mean, you have to really assess, you know, I'm, you know, for a coach, um, trying to keep the line separate here, coach, you know, you're definitely identifying goals, right? <laughs> what does the client want to work on in coaching, right? And I think if you're hearing a lot of words around mental health, mental health issues, I would say specifically, then those would be red flags of, okay, this, <laughs> um, and then sometimes it helps to ask um, other maybe open-ended questions. Um, tell me about your family history around, let's say if someone's alluding to, because I know obviously in coaching, I know I've done peer co with peer coaching clients, stress management. I mean, that's obviously, we all experience stress. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't have Especially to be. Especially now. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, but then asking, asking more probing questions about the stress, what is, how does it manifest? Is there, would you say family history of people who have had a hard time with stress management? Then you can kind of start assessing, okay, this might sound like an actual you know, family history of anxiety disorder, right? Or panic attack, panic disorder um, situation. And then we know there's a genetic predisposition right. for, um, you know, for those sort of issues. So, yeah, I think you just have to do a really thorough assessment of, you know, where the client's at now, what's their main struggle, what's the history there a little bit, whether it's their own personal history or family history, um, you know, if trauma comes into the picture, asking about that. And then making a kind of um, judgment call there at that point, what seems to be in the client's best interest moving forward. Right. And so you you kind of mentioned something that that um, I thought was important, which is you kind of said it in passing. I'm trying to keep the therapy and coaching separate. Um, mm. So that that topic actually comes up a lot in the discussions that I've had with therapists where some there's like a few different camps. Right. So some therapists mm -hmm. say yeah, I see no problem mixing therapy and coaching within the same client pretty much at the same time if you feel it's appropriate. And then there's other, so that's one extreme. And then the other side of it is basically therapists saying absolutely not. You know, if, if a mm -hmm. client is going through therapy, they're going through therapy. And then if they ever were to need coaching after therapy is done, then I will refer them out to a separate coach mm -hmm. because I don't I don't like to mix clients in in these two methods right in in these two fields. And mm -hmm. so what is your opinion on how um I guess how in favor are you of of therapists combining coaching and therapy concurrently and and how how do what considerations do you um keep in mind with regards to to that? Yeah, and <laughs> that's a great question. And uh, my opinion is, I, I mean, I do like to keep things separate. 
However, as I mentioned, the types of therapy I do, I mean, in, in DBT and dialectical behavior therapy, we literally call, there's something that we provide to clients called skills coaching, yeah, that's, uh, which is that's, so <laughs> hilarious. It's like, right oh, on the nose. Right. I know. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, blur the lines a bit more. But, um, you know, where I, if I have a client who's really struggling in the moment and we're not in session, they have the, you know, my permission to contact me by phone or by email, and then we kind of try to set up a phone conversation um, to get skills in the moment <laughs> when they're mm -hmm. feeling high distress. So it's it's challenging because I think, you know, maybe you talk to a therapist who does purely um, like psychodynamic insight oriented work, you know, it's so different. And you don't coach, you don't guide, you don't really create this sort of collaborative conversation um, and give, um, clients a sense of direction that you might do in a coaching type therapy. So I guess that makes it even more complicated. <laughs> See, the lines are blurring which, more and more. I know. Ugh. But um, personally, I mean, when I've had, I haven't, um, so, so yeah, so that piece is, is going to be ongoing um, struggle, I guess, that a, a therapy client, which I, we've, we've clearly laid the lines that this is, you are entering therapy with me as, you know, this client's entering with me as their therapist. But yeah, sometimes we have coaching techniques that we incorporate. However, if I have a client who just wants to do coaching with me, let's say um, I, I've done weight loss coaching in the past um, because of my eating disorder experience and just some of the places I've worked, I'll do something like that. But we are clear from the beginning that this is not therapy um, and really drawing the boundary there that if it becomes, we, we start talking about you know, processing the past and processing maybe the ongoing, you know, anxiety that someone's experiencing or, you know, social anxiety, let's say, and when other, with other people, then we start having to, I will have to start creating boundaries around, okay, would it be in your best interest to see a therapist for processing some of these things so that we can maintain, I can maintain my role that we've already assigned, <laughs> right? right? So, um, and I know that uh, uh, my practice, just to kind of, I guess, give another layer, administratively, we do keep things separate. So we have our system, our software we use for therapy clients. For coaching, we do something completely outside of that. Just to try to keep those lines a little bit separate as well. Mm -hmm. We don't want to mix, um, you know, in our software where, you know, the clients are, um, I'm able to see my clients in there. Everyone in our, in our therapy software are therapy clients. Um, we want to make sure we just try to keep those things separate as well and not mix so much where it's all convoluted. Right. Yeah, I see. This is the part that I find so fascinating because, you know, on the one hand, you're saying that you do try to keep things separate, especially administratively and, and even in practice. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, you have a therapy practice that has coaches on staff. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's this kind of like, it's this kind <laughs> of <laughs> acceptance and um, you know, it's seeing the value of coaching, but at the same time, trying not to blend them together into this new thing. Um, it's, it's still very much a therapy practice, um, and mm -hmm. that, that has a coaching kind of component. It's not just like a completely blended, um, you know, right. thing. And yeah, and so that's why I, I like to kind of explore how every therapist likes to keep it separate, if at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course you will have some therapists that, that basically don't believe in coaching at all and don't care to have any kind of coach 
um, on staff. But then like if you actually dig a little deeper into the work they're doing, a lot of it is straight up coaching. And so mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and they might not call it that and they might, you know, like to say that they don't engage in any kind of coaching but well you kind of do i mean mm-hmm. with some of the work so and, and anyway i find it i find it interesting so right um, right yeah yeah i i also wanted to kind of b- before we went on the air i we were chatting and you mentioned that you are located in san diego however your practice um serves clients statewide is that right Right. Right. Yes. So for the states that we are licensed. And so for me personally, I have clients in New York. I used to actually live in New York City, um, moved last year back back home to Southern California. So um, but because of the, you know, um, each license is is by state. Right. So I have these two licenses in New York and California. So we can see clients in in any region of, um, you know, in those two states. Um, We have therapists who are licensed in Florida. So they can see people throughout Florida. And I guess that's the timing of everything is, you know, although we're dealing with, you know, kind of a tragic situation in our world today, it's, it's nice to, you know, my thoughts behind creating a practice that was primarily virtual, even pre COVID was the idea that I wanted to make therapy and coaching services more accessible to people who might not have access to see someone in person, maybe because they are in a remote area of California or New York, right? right? So I wanted to um, make therapy more accessible to those folks who could not, whether it's because you're you know, in New York City, you're just super busy with work and working all the time. As we all or are. You're just, <laughs> right, right. So I, wa- I was trying to take other people's perspectives. And I even noticed that actually, um, quick story, when I was in New York City and I had an office um, in the city, in Midtown, I noticed that clients, some of them just prefer to do virtual ask me if I could do virtual with them instead of them taking you know the subway two stops over to see me God, and- this, I'm so ashamed this sounds so New York <laughs> this, like why do I have to leave my apartment like why can't we just right. do it from here yeah God right yeah. and I know those those winter months I, I don't miss them <laughs> yeah so, not at all you know out of those you know six months really of the year um it's cold and people prefer to kind of stay warm and, and cozy in ho- at home as long as you know, obviously we have a private room private space for sessions we made that happen so um so yeah so um went on a tangent there i'm sorry but no but your 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 tangent your tangent was exactly the topic i was going to lead into that's why i kind of brought up the whole disconnect between where you're located and where you're serving clients because Mm -hmm. if not for remote therapy that they would be the same thing but um, because of remote therapy uh remote uh, telehealth whatever word you want to use i'm not even sure what the right word is but um because of this kind of zoom revolution here that was ushered in because of covid um i i wanted to ask you how it's affected your practice both pluses and negatives if you if you can share and and also um have you noticed any change in your clients since covid has become kind of part or part of our reality have you noticed any particular issue maybe creeping up a bit more or has it not had any effect at all? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, in terms of the business side, I think, thankfully, we were very well equipped. Yeah. I, I know some Sounds of my like colleagues, too. 
Yeah. I mean, some of my colleagues were scrambling um, and, and asking me, oh my gosh, Shadi, can you get me, what's a tele, I need a consent form for telehealth services. Can you send me one over? And of course I was trying to help everyone out who was just doing in office work as much as I could. Um, so yeah, we were, thankfully we didn't have to go through that crisis feeling because we were already equipped with everything. Um, all our clients who were coming in knew that this was telehealth. I had a few clients in, in office in San Diego, but just very few. Um, who really requested in, in-person work, which obviously transitioned to virtual after um, the quarantine started. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think for us, because we've been equipped and we were already marketing virtual therapy for our incoming clients, we've been um, kind of been bombarded with clients <laughs> in, the, in the best way possible. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, clients can tell that based on our website and what, you know, what our, you know, um, what we've shared on our website that we are equipped for virtual work. Um, and, um, in terms of the types of clients and things I've noticed, definitely, I think if anyone was, I mean, I don't want to overgeneralize, but kind of for the majority of our incoming clients, if anyone was struggling pre pandemic with, let's say anxiety, um, depression, I think, unfortunately things have intensified since the pandemic started, generally speaking. Um, and it's, it's sad. I mean, I think it's just people who, let's say, were dealing with depression, already having trouble pushing themselves to get motivated and get out of house and socialize. I mean, of course, the pandemic the pandemic has caused major barriers for that. Yeah, sort of now thing. you can't get out of the house even if you want right. to. I mean, now Absolutely. you kind of can, but back then when the quarantine hit, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and for clients, let's say, I mean, clients who have issues with, you know, um, fear of contamination and fear of, of germs and oh, kind of some OCD stuff. I mean, obviously the situation has not helped those clients. No. Um, it's, it's sort of intensified things. Um, and it's, it's so difficult because on some level it is kind of, the world is a scary place right now out there. So it's hard to, you know, I, I try to normalize some of the fears with, with clients and, the hardship that everyone is collectively experiencing, um, you know, collectively and obviously on an individual basis, but also trying to get clients to just remain hopeful and um, use skills that they can use right now, <laughs> maybe at home <laughs> or um, still connect with others, even if it's via Zoom or FaceTime, um, just trying to keep keep things going, even with everything we're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, what's clear to me is that you were way ahead of your time. Uh, because you were already on the remote train way before everybody kind of needed to be. So, um, right. so and, yeah. and that's why you got bombarded with clients because you were kind of already, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm already on this train. Like I, I, I was, I was kind of prepared for this to hit even before it did. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but you're right. A lot of, a lot of therapists absolutely scrambled. I mean, some of them have been on this show where we, we've talked about mm-hmm. it. And, <laughs> and, and you know, I guess the good thing about the coaching end of things is that coaches actually have not been mm. scrambling nearly as much. Because if you think about it, coaching has been basically remote since remote was even possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, co- mm-hmm. remote coaching is just kind of normalized completely in the coaching world since way before COVID. Um, even mm-hmm. coach certification programs are are remote now, uh, very often, and um, and I guess if you think about it, it's it's just out of pure necessity. You know, coaching. Right. If, if you're if you're from a small town, yeah, I mean, you can start up a therapy practice and you can you can have clients, but 
it's kind of harder to start a coaching practice and expect your phone to be ringing all day from just the people in your immediate area. Um, mm-hmm. Coaching isn't quite as, you know, popular or pervasive or, or whatever you want to characterize it at. I mean, it, it's getting it's getting bigger, but it's definitely not mm-hmm. big enough that most coaches can survive in their geographical area. So it's just been natural for coaches to to be remote. So most of the coaches that I talk to since COVID, they're like, yeah, nothing's changed. Um, oh, it's just like everything's exactly the same. If, if anything, they have more <laughs> clients because I don't right. think coaching has ever been more relevant to society as it is right now. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad to be speaking to a therapist who is experiencing that same ease of transition as coaches have been because you have been kind of ahead of the game there so so that's cool yeah I appreciate that yeah Yeah. I mean thankfully we just you know kind of were we had the resources all kind of set up and all of our therapists I mean we're a team I I honestly have lost lost track at this point but you know with (laughs) the three um, states that we serve um, you know we're we're like 20 plus therapists in, I believe. I have to double check. but I, I checked um, out the list. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so everyone who's joined our team, and I'll say that a lot of people, because of, you know, maybe losing their job in person or uh, like therapy job in person or um, being forced into the remote work if they're working for an agency, um, everyone on my team is either willing to, you know, from the onset being willing to be trained had dabbled a little bit because of the pandemic in, um, you know, teletherapy, but, um, you know, some of them have been doing it for a long time. Um, so it it was really great that we were able to, you know, these are therapists who are either in the training process to do virtual therapy effectively, or have already been doing it for a good period of time. There you Um, go. And you see everybody listening. It's possible. It's possible to make the transition. All you have to do is be ahead of your time somehow. (laughs) What is the secret, Shadi? You just have to (laughs) know what's coming. Yeah. 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 Well, there's actually been some great um, telehealth trainings out there um, through Mm -hmm. some um, great certified um, organizations and institutions that I've I've recommended some therapists to, to take just to get that you know, a little bit of training and understanding what are the, like with a client who says that they're feeling suicidal and obviously you might be in a completely different location as them, right? And in in miles, very, you know, 100 miles away. Yeah, that opens up a lot of of issues, sure. Yeah. Right. So I've I've encouraged, um, and there were some free ones, I know at the beginning of the pandemic that were temporarily discounted because of everything going on, the crisis. But um, I've, I've told a lot of folks to do that. That's where I started is just doing some trainings and um, learning some of the, you know, challenges that you might face virtually that you might not face if you see a client in person. Um, and then, yeah, and then just taking it from there. But yeah, I think this is definitely where the field is going is, is more virtual. Um, and coaching, I'm glad. That, I mean, that's been something obviously, because you can work with you know, clients in, in other states and maybe with a therapy license, you're yeah, restricted. There's no way, licensing right? so. restriction. That's right. That's, that's really the main reason. Um, as in, in addition, I'm actually glad you mentioned that. So that's, that's really the, the real reason why coaching has always been kind of remote friendly. Um, it's because mm-hmm. there's just no reason not to, you know, mm-hmm. you can just see anybody in any state, any country. I mean, like I, I've awesome. spoken to coaches that are out in, I'm um, in Europe and Asia, traveling the world, and they're serving clients in the U.S. It's it's incredible. Wow. Yeah, 
Awesome. Yeah. Wow. And so talk about crafting your ideal career. I mean, people say, <laughs> yeah, I want to do what I love, travel and get paid for it. Hmm. This is one way to do it if you're into Absolutely. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. It sounds ideal to me. So. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then you get to go on retreats and the whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So this this was really, really great. I uh, Before I let you go, I want to give the audience a chance to learn more about you about your practice and and about the work you're doing so just tell us how we can find you online yeah so thank you uh, our website is just the name of the practice centeredmindtherapy.com and um, if you wanted to go ahead and schedule a consultation um, which is always free it's 30 minutes that we set aside to really kind of hear you know whether it's coaching you're interested in or, or just pure clinical therapy. Um, we want to just really kind of hear what's going on, give you that, that time and space. And then we'll, um, from there discuss, um, I always want to make sure, um, we set, um, every client up with the therapist, if it's for therapy, um, a therapist who's the best fit in terms of clinically availability, um, you know, areas of expertise, we want to make sure we're really serving our clients, um, the best we can. So it's not like you are, randomly assigned to a therapist. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I talk about, obviously I know my team, I hired everyone on my team, so I know them pretty well. I would hope so. That's and, right. <laughs> yeah. So I know their uh, areas of specialty, their trainings, um, their approach, all that stuff. So I talk about it with each client in depth to make sure that they are making an informed decision about who they work with. And um, yeah. Um, and Perfect. We have tons of openings um, in various times of the day. And again, we, we operate in, um, Primarily in those three states, we have a couple of people who have like additional secondary licenses in like Texas and Washington, but primarily we, we market to New York, California, Florida. But yeah, um, I'm really glad to have been able to talk to you, Brandon. It's been awesome. Um, and thank you for taking the time to interview me. No, yeah, thank you. Thank you for being generous with your information. I know it's going to help a lot of people who are thinking of getting into this field. And um, when I was reading your bio on your website, you talked about you want to imbue your your practice with a sense of realness. And mm -hmm. I can hear the realness in the conversation. <laughs> um, I'm always a fan of keeping it real. So I, I really, cool. really appreciate it. And yeah, thank you so much, Shadi, for being on the show. Of course. Of course. Thank you. All righty. We'll be in touch. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Coaches Circle podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to our show just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you'd like to check out a complete listing of all of the episodes on our show, head on over to lifecoachpath.com slash podcast. See you on the next one.